Amen. What a powerful name it is. The name of Jesus. You know, it's a, it's a great day, and I'm thankful that you all are here on the Lord's Day, uh, here worshiping Jesus Christ, our Savior, our King. And, uh, you know, it's a, it's a tremendous joy uh, to be with you uh, this Lord's Day and any Lord's Day. Uh, but I know that God is in control. He's, he's here. He's with us. And it's going to be a blessing to each one of us as we seek Him through His Word. You know, it's not easy. Sometimes we look back over this past year in our country. And you know, we've been enmeshed with violence and terror. And, and even the church, you know, has been uh, in terror, if you will. And... Um, it's easy for us to become uh, dismayed about the future. And it's easy for us to get down about that. And it's possible to focus on the brokenness of people's lives and the world in general. We all struggle with that. But the promise of Christmas is that God is on the move. That God is on the move and that He loves us. I want to read out of Luke chapter 2, a very familiar passage, beginning in verse 8 and following. God's Word says this, it says, In the same region there were some shepherds staying out in the fields and keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord suddenly stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terribly frightened. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which will be for all the people. For today in the city of David... There has been born for you a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there appeared with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among men with whom he is pleased. Let's pray. Loving Father, we thank you for this day. Father, we thank you for this season. Father, we thank you for the opportunity you give us to worship you. Father, all of heaven rejoices. Father, may we as your people rejoice that we too have a Savior. Christ, the King. His name is Jesus. Father, I pray that this morning as we, as we look at these great words of Christmas, these great words of Christ, Father, that we would recognize what is in this word joy. Father, we thank you so much for all that you do for us. Lord, I ask your Holy Spirit to speak to our hearts and guide us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You know, winter seems to have 
just come. I guess we're expecting another cool front to come in. And, and, um, but uh, the warmth and the color of God's peace is changing the world. We see this through our missionaries around the world. We see it through people who are willing to carry the good news to other places. We see this all around us. You know, the angel of the Lord says to us, even what he said to the shepherds, do not be afraid, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. (laughs) I'm glad it says all the people there. Because that includes me. You know, most of us tend to be comfortable with the Christmas story. We're so familiar with it that we've kind of sentimentalized it. You know, we, 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 we put it in there and we think, oh, it's, a, it's Hallmark or that kind of thing. But, but really, it reminds me of the little girl who misquoted John 3.16. She said, for God so loved the world that he gave his only forgotten son. But isn't that the way it appears many times? His only forgotten son. It should be begotten, the one and only from the father. See, we need to remember that the baby who was born in Bethlehem is Jesus. The son of God who brings great joy today you know God sent his angel to to visit a group of shepherds they were out there watching their their flocks by night and you know a group of I want to say country bumpkin shepherds he didn't send his angels to talk to the president of the Baptist General Convention of Galilee He didn't send his angels to talk, you know, to the the high priest in the temple at Jerusalem or even to the Pharisees or the Sadducees. He sent his angel to proclaim the birth of his son, Jesus, to a group of shepherds who were out there in the field at night. And the angel's message of good news came to the shepherds. And you see, the shepherds, they help us to see that God has a message for sinners like us. I love that. Because everyone matters to God. Everyone matters to God. And notice, whenever we come in the face to face with God and His holiness, we fall apart. Because of our sinfulness. The angel calms them down and he's telling them, he's bringing them good news. Good news from on high. Good news of acceptance. Good news of forgiveness. And good news of hope. I love that. Because the reality is, is we would have a lot to fear if Christ had not been born. Because he was born for us. A savior. Oh, I need a savior. I need Jesus. I need a savior. You know, this this passage is literally the word uh, that, that comes in verse 10. It says, good news of great joy. And the word literally comes from the word to evangelize. The good news. To evangelize. 
And he also, in this, the Greek word here is also mega, which means exceedingly large, loud, and mighty. It's the superlative of the greatest degree. Mega. Wycliffe translates it this way. I evangelize to you a great joy. I bring to you a great joy. And I want to say this this morning. A joyless faith is a contradiction in terms. See, on this Lord's Day, on this morning, with Christmas just a day away, many of us are experiencing the joy and the, the peace and the happiness that come from this festive season. And on the other hand, many others are experiencing the agony of what is known as the Christmas blues. I'm not talking about Elvis. Although I grew up listening to that. Why is it that people feel blue at Christmas? I mean, Christmas time is a a time of joy. I evangelize to you a great joy. But it can be a time of depression for others. I mean, some factors for a blue Christmas, they may contribute to this. You know, it may be that we have exaggerated expectations. That somehow we think that when we get all of the family together, everything will be perfect. And we will, all of our problems will be solved. And there will be peace and harmony. But usually what happens when you bring family together, there's some disagreements over something. And the happiness that we thought we were going to have is not there. The joy is not there. And sometimes people go into despondency. Christmas also brings out our dependence on a need for others. We need other people in our lives. And sometimes they fail us. And this can be depressing. Because we want so much for them. And, it, it, and, it, and, it, and we fall so short as sinners. In the United States, we have a lot of Christmas memories. Some beautiful memories. Some painful memories. And sometimes that makes us blue when we think about that. Some of those cause pain rather than bless. Some of them cause hurt rather than help. But does the message of Christmas, which is supposed to produce great joy, does it, does it have anything relevant to say to people who are depressed? See, Christianity with the, the promise begins with the promise of good news that will bring great joy. And it should be more than just a strategy that helps us to cope with our own depression. I mean, sometimes even reflecting on the Christmas story can renew our sense of relationship with God. I mean, you think about this. It's no wonder the famous and beloved blind hymn writer and believer Fanny Crosby, she wrote this, To God be the glory, great things he has done. So loved he the world that he gave us his son. He yielded his life in atonement for sin, and he opened the life gate that all may go in. 
That's good news of great joy. I mean, here's the testimony of a woman who knew pain, who knew blindness, and yet saw God in her darkness. That's why the ear should hear His voice in our testimony to His love. That's why the world should see in our testimony a life that honors Him. It's because it all matters. That's why we of all people should rejoice at the story of His coming. But you see, the reason for our joy, it starts with Jesus. But it doesn't end there. Because Jesus is involved every day in our lives. <laughs> He's involved and, and by the Spirit, His, His presence continues to express Himself in us. I mean, sometimes He's reshaping us. And the reworking may be painful in our lives. And we don't always like that as he, as he puts pressure on us, as He reshapes us into the image of himself into the image of Jesus. But I think this is beautiful because right now, instead of our looking at him with meekness that he lays in the manger there, that he is looking upon us in our weakness and he is bringing joy to our lives. He cares about us as the great shepherd. See, the good news is about God. The message of Christmas is that God is a living God. He's a God that, that lives here on earth. He interacts with His people. He is present in us and with us and through us. See, the Bible does not seek to tell us when and how our universe came into being. Its major concern is the who and the why. I love that. The writer of the book of Hebrews in verse chapter 11, verse 3 says this. It says, by faith we understand that the worlds were prepared by the word of God. So that what is seen was not made out of things which are visible. I love that. He spoke the world into being. The good news is about God. It's about a living God. See, the message of Christmas, it speaks to us about a living God who is above and beyond and behind this world. He's the God who comes into the world and He wants to take away our fears and encourage us in a life of faith. See, the message of Christmas, it proclaims the good news about a living God who loves. I mean, in Christ, the living God declares that he cares about us, that he desires us, and that he wants to help us. Oh, how I need lots of help. You see, the good news is for all people. I love that, that it's for all people because the good news is for everybody. I mean, it meets all of the deepest needs of all people, of all cultures, 
of all countries. As the scripture puts it, of every tribe and every nation. See, the good news is about the forgiveness of sin. And Jesus came to bear the penalty for our sin so that we could be forgiven. He offers us that priceless gift of forgiveness. See, the good news is about life. I mean, around the world, in every age, people have stood in terror before the grim prospect of death. We fear death, but not when we have Jesus Christ. You see, Christ came to bring life to those who were spiritually dead because of our sin. It tells us in Romans 6, for the wages of sin is death. But the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Hallelujah. See, our assurance of a life that endures beyond death can remove the gloom that threatens the souls of humanity. And the good news is that we belong to God and also to the family of God. (laughs) See, the church is spoken of as the family of God. I love that. Because we're part of a family. It's a household of faith. You know, a, a, a warm Sunday school class can provide tremendous support to someone who is experiencing stress. To someone who is distressed about life. A genuine Christian friend can, can help someone and be of tremendous value in time of crisis. See, in this Christmas season, I would say we need to extend our friendship, our love, our fellowship, maybe to those who are lonely or those who have no one, those who are discouraged. Because the good news is also about help. I mean, every single person will stand in the need of help from God or help from someone else at some point in their life. I mean, the psalmist bears the testimony of that. We read in Psalm 121, it says, I will lift my eyes to the mountains. Where, from where shall my help come? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. And then in Psalm 46, the psalmist tells us, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in time of need. The good news is about help, but it's also about a precious home at the end of the road. I mean, John 14 tells us about that when Jesus said in his father's house are many mansions. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you so that where I am there, you can be also. He tells us that he's preparing a home for us that will last forever. You see, as a homeowner, many homeowners think that their home is their best investment. They spend lots of time and money and energy on their home. But there are others who live on earth who will never have the joy, if you will, of owning a home. Of knowing something that, is, that they can call their own. But through the grace of God and the provisions of his son Jesus, all believers can look forward to having a home that's not made with hands, 
eternal in the heavens that can never be taken away. <laughs> See, in a world in which there seems like there's so much bad news, it's brought to us every day through our newspapers, through our, our cell phones, through the television, through the internet. Listen to the good news that comes from God in and through Jesus Christ. Because you see, the world needs to experience our joy. Give them joy. You want to give a present this year? Give them joy. You know, we've got so much to be thankful for. And when we are thankful to God for all that he provides, joy is an outflow, an overflow of that thankfulness. See, many people live in defeat and despair because they search for joy and they search for happiness in all the wrong places. It's only temporary. It's only fleeting. But when you find joy in Jesus Christ, it lasts forever. You know, when I was a kid, our home was a, was a good place to be. It was a good place. We always had a good time. We enjoyed laughing. We enjoyed teasing one another, picking at each other. You know, we, we never failed to have a good time. But we also didn't fall on the side of sheer exuberance either. There was always kind of a sense of, of caution there. Where you, you, don't, you don't go all in, if you will. And I don't particularly remember joy being associated with anything. I mean, at Christmas time, we looked high and low for just the right Christmas tree. And then we would decorate it just so. And what I'm trying to say is, you know, we would anxiously hope for, for presents and, and things. And, and it seemed like we never quite got to the point of joy when it came to Christmas. You know that joy that just wells up inside you? That you know that all is well. That things are good. That it, there's, there's, there's nothing, there's contentment in that. Knowing that God has met all of my needs. I mean, sometimes I find myself counseling a couple that is going to get married. They're looking forward to getting married and they're, they're giddy with excitement. You know, that, that, that uh, they're, I call it goo-goo-eyed over each other. You see it in your kids sometimes and other people. And, and you know, I'm talking to them about marriage and I'm, I'm saying, yeah, it'll be wonderful. But don't forget, you're talking about the duties and the responsibilities of a lifetime of marriage. And then it hits me. Knock it off, you killjoy. Stop it. Let them enjoy the moment for a little bit. Let them be giddy with it. Let them enjoy that time. Why do you have to remind them about all of this other? Let them enjoy the moment of that first love. But listen. Church can be the same way. 
We go hoping to hear a word of encouragement or, or some great uh, message about Christmas or affirmation that God is good and life is worth living. And then the church says, not so fast. It's not that easy. Don't forget your duty, your responsibilities. Over in Galatians 4, verse 4 and following says this. But when the fullness of the time came, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law. So that he might redeem those who were under the law, that we might receive the adoption as sons. Because you are sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. Therefore, you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. I mean, today is pure joy because God sent his son. That means that we are adopted as his sons and daughters and that we are an heir to all of the riches of glory. I mean, today is joy because God is born among us. And I say, rejoice, rejoice. This is not what it's going to end up like. We have a home in heaven that is prepared for us. Where we will be away from the, 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 the power, the presence, and the penalty of sin forever. Our chains have been cut off by the blood of Jesus Christ. God with us. Emmanuel. See, this is the Christmas proclamation and the reason for our rejoicing. Henry Horn, he, he tells of a Christmas card that he received one year. And it came from an 80-year-old lady who was living on the farm and she had lived on the farm and this farm had seen its better days. And she and her sister lived on that farm and they were all that were left of the family and they really tried to make a go of it. But things were sometimes left in disarray. And they sent their card to this friend and it was a beautiful card and it scribbled on the inside of the card. It said this, it said, Our Lord comes to us even in the midst of our mess. Our Lord comes to us even in the midst of our mess. You see, God in Christ means that he is with us even in the midst of our mess. <laughs> Sometimes it seems that each cleanup becomes more overwhelmed than the size of the mess. But his message overwhelms all of our messes. 
You know, a friend might call us up and say something like, hey, can I come over? And we're like, uh, sure, uh, but first let me clean up the house. Let me get things cleaned up here. Uh, the house is a mess. And somehow we think that our friend is only going to enjoy the visit if we clean up our mess first. And we may believe that God will not come and stay with us until we've straightened out the mess of our lives. But that's not how it works. The good news is that God is coming in the midst of our mess. He's coming when things are all out of whack, when things are cluttered, when things are horrible. He is coming to us and, and there with us in that, in the midst of that. And you know, the spontaneity of the Christmas good news sometimes leaves little room for preparation. <laughs> you know, isn't that the question we ask everybody? Are you ready for Christmas? You've asked that question, I've asked that question. But his response is the shout to that childhood game, ready or not, here I come. Because that's what Jesus does, even in the midst of our mess. He comes to us, but he also comes in the midst of our celebrations. I mean, think about this. You remember when and where Jesus' first miracle took place. It was at a celebration. It was at the wedding in Cana of Galilee, John chapter 2. It was a happy occasion. They were getting married. And, and when the joy of that occasion was threatened, Jesus performed a miracle. See, the celebrating continues because Jesus was there. Otherwise, the celebration would have been over. But you see, because Jesus is present, because he is Emmanuel, because he is God with us in the midst of our mess and also in the midst of our celebrations. And the Christmas message would not be complete if we stop at God with us. Because the question is this, are we with God? Are we with God? Are we with him? You see, his initiative, God's initiative in Christ, it wants a response. Are we with him? See, if we are with him, then we are with him in the work of redemption. We are with him in sharing the good news with others. God came to demonstrate to us through Jesus what we are to do. And it's a partnership in the role of redemption, of helping others to see who Christ is. See, there are many roads that need to be plowed as the kingdom comes. Our hands must be fit for that plow. And we need to be equipped for the partnership in God's work of redemption and so if we are to be with him, then we need to be with him in the work of redemption. We need to be with him in the work of discipleship, of equipping ourselves so that we can be with him. Folks, we can't do his work if we're not equipped. 
See, if others do see Jesus in us, it's because we've practiced the disciplines of the Christian faith. It's because we've spent time in communion with God. It's because we've prayed. It's because we've read His Word. It's because we've spent time with Him. It's because we've worshipped Him. It's because we've served others in Christ's name. God with us. Emmanuel. In our messes, in our celebrations, in our sorrows, in our joys, in our work and in our play, God in Christ is with us. So are we with him? Let me make that just a little bit more personal. Are you with him? Are you with him in his demands for discipleship? Are you with him in his work of redemption? Let's pray together. Loving Father, I thank you for your word. And truly the reality is, if we are not with you, then we are not ready for Christmas. Father, I pray that your Holy Spirit, even now, would search our hearts, would help us to understand what it is that you desire from each of us. God, you sent your Son to this earth to walk and live and breathe as a man, born of a virgin, without sin, so that he could be the sacrifice for our sins. Truly, Father, we give you thanks for that. Lord, I'm glad that you come in the midst of our brokenness. I'm glad that you come and you bring joy. I'm glad that you bring us a Savior. This good news of great joy. Father, that it is for all people. Holy Spirit, I ask that you would guide us in this time of response. God, you have done your part. You have done it all for us. Father, I pray that you would give us the courage to do our part. Father, to to be with you, not only in spirit, but Father, that we would be with you in the work of redemption. Father, that we would partner with you in seeing this whole area come to know Jesus. What a powerful name his name is. Father, we give you praise and glory and honor. Guide us as we continue to seek you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.